sermon series. It's a brand new sermon series. I have never, I have never preached through the Gospel of Luke. Never preached through Luke, and um, I'm really excited about it. I just, I just believe we need some good news. I believe we need the good news. And as we begin this series in Luke, it's actually going to take us all the way through Easter. We are going to take a look at Jesus. We're going to take a look at the life and the ministry of Jesus. I, I just think we need this good news. I think we need the gospel. I believe, I believe we need Jesus. So we're going to take some time to rediscover Jesus. We are Christians, right? You're a Christian this morning? Anybody? Let the folks at home know you're a Christian. We got any Christians in this room this morning? Amen. We follow Jesus. We follow the life and the teaching and the power of Jesus. And it seems like that in our current cultural moment, we need more of Jesus, not less of Jesus. In this age of discontent and deconstruction and deconversion, the only hope is Jesus. We can find contentment in Jesus. We can find a solid foundation in Jesus. We can find transformation in Jesus. Now when I talk about discontentment and deconstruction, and deconversion. I want to be clear. I want to be clear. I myself am often discontented with the state of the church and the public witness of the church in 21st century America. I also think, I want to be clear about this, I also think that deconstruction can be helpful in leading people back to Jesus. I do not believe that deconstruction equals deconversion. If a house is built on a solid foundation, but the framework of the house gets gets moldy or gets rotten, sometimes you have have to replace some things and do some deconstruction. I'm not talking about tearing up the foundation that is Christ. But sometimes some foundation or some, some structural work needs to be done. So deconstruction and deconversion aren't the same thing. So I would say that if you are looking back at the foundation of Jesus, that's good. Don't don't deconvert. I'm not talking about deconversion. Deconversion is not the answer to life. It's not the answer to, to faith. It's not the answer. Walking away from Jesus is not the answer. But going back to the foundation... And allowing Jesus to to redo that structural work is a good thing. I feel like, I'll just be real to be honest with you, I feel like I've been deconstructing for years. (laughs) And I keep replacing or or finding a piece of rotten wood and replacing it with, with some good wood. Finding a finding a, a, some sheetrock that that's that's moldy and pulling that sheetrock out and putting in some new or finding some plumbing that needs to be fixed. And I feel like I've been deconstructing not not in a way that that walks moves me away from Jesus, 
but in a way that allows my foundation to remain solid while I understand the beauty of God through Christ and the work of the church all the more. Deconversion is, is, is not helpful. I don't believe we need deconversion. But I believe, I don't, I don't believe we need to walk away from the faith. What I believe is we need to, we need some rediscovery. We need to discover, not deconvert. We need to discover Jesus again. We need to come in closer to Jesus again. We need to discover again the beauty and the power and the mystery and the revelation and the truth of Jesus. We need to discover again the life and the teachings and the miracles and the kingdom of Jesus. Here's what I believe, church. It's real simple. I just believe we need to fall in love with Jesus again. I just believe we need to fall in love with Jesus again. That's that's the gospel. That's the good news. Jesus is the good news. The life and death and resurrection of Jesus and all that entails is the good news, is the gospel. So we're going to spend some time rediscovering this good news and coming closer to Jesus to begin this new year. And I'm super excited about it. we got some things we're going to throw up on the screen just to show you about to help us, to help us come closer to Jesus. We're beginning 21 days of prayer and fasting. And so there is a guide. There is a, there is a guide online um, for you to, to download. It's in our Faith Life app. There's a, there's a, there's a section um, uh, in, in the activity that gives the link to our closer 21 days of prayer and fasting uh, guide. It, it, it walks you through fasting. It tells you what fasting looks like, what fasting is, how to fast, different ways to fast, whether that's a Daniel's fast or a full food fast or fasting meals. But there's a guide that you can download. It's in, it's in our Faith Life activity. It's also linked on our, on our um, New City Today Facebook group. And it's on our website in, under the blog section. If you click on the blog, there's a file in the blog to download. The 21 Days Prayer and Fasting Guide. It's called Closer. 21 Days Prayer and Fasting. I want you to... I want you to download that. It can be super helpful over these next 21 days. We're going to, hear me, hear, hear this. We're going to be super intentional about starting groups again. About moving closer to Jesus. And so 21 days of prayer and fasting. Also within this 21 days of prayer and fasting, you've, you've got a prayer calendar. That, that, and a fasting calendar that's also in, in that same location. Please click on these links. Please download these links. You can turn them off at home if you need to. But there is a, fa- a prayer and fasting calendar for 21 days. It gives you a specific verse to pray for or, or to pray over and a specific thing to pray about. And then, it, and then it gives you a reminder, am I going to fast breakfast, lunch, or dinner? How am I fasting?
question today. How am I fasting this week? Also, in that same location on our website, in our app, there is a 21-day Bible reading plan called Closer Season. That is, that is, there's a link for that, and that will take you to the YouVersion Bible app. And that is a 21-day fasting Bible reading plan. And it's going to help you come closer to Christ Jesus during this 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're going to start tomorrow, Monday, January 3rd, and we're going to go for 21 days. Every day there's this reading for you to do. And then once you finish the reading, if, if you sign up through the church, you'll, we'll be able to all do it together. You sign up through the link that, that is, that's been passed out. We'll be all be able to do it together. And at the end of every day, there's a place to comment or, or, or answer questions if you would like or say, hey, today would you pray about this for me? Or, or this is what, this is what I, I got out of my Bible reading today. And we'll all be able to interact together through that. And we'll be strengthened together. We'll encourage one another in this 21 days of prayer and fasting. So those three things are all available on the website, on our blog section, in our Faith Life app, in the activities section. You can go there now and download it or immediately following the service today. Go ahead and download it if you need to print it off. Do that. But not only that, okay, as we, as we really focus during January on coming closer to Jesus. Every Wednesday night in, in the sanctuary is going to be prayer. We will have a prayer. We want everybody to come and pray if they can. If you're not teaching a class on Wednesday, if you're not doing youth on Wednesday, you need to be in here so that we can pray and seek God together at the beginning of this year. We're going to have prayer nights every Wednesday night in January in the sanctuary. Next Sunday night, again, super focused, super intentional. We're, we're, we're digging in deep to start the year. Next Sunday night is a night of worship. We're going to come together, not for a concert, not for an event. We're going to come together to worship Jesus and be in the presence of Jesus and just let the Spirit move and just let the Spirit knock us out and do whatever the Spirit wants to do in our midst next Sunday night. We're, we're jumping in with both feet to get closer to Jesus, to be, to rediscover Jesus. And so those, those resources are available for you. I was hoping to be able to show those to you, but those resources are available to you. Please, let's do this together. Let's do this together. And here's what's cool. As we go through this, as we go through this sermon series through Luke, again, it's going to take us through Easter. Once this 21 days of, of prayer and fasting are over and this 21-day Bible reading plan is over, we are going to do a reading plan together as a church that's going to take us through Luke slowly, methodically, and together. I hope, hope you are reading the Bible. I hope you read the Bible. I saw, I saw a couple of folks yesterday share that they read the, whole, the Bible last year, the whole Bible last year. It's like, yes! Right? It's awesome. I love 
together. And so I want I want you to do your Bible reading, read the Bible, but but maybe maybe change it up this year and, and, and take a little time in, in Luke and take some extra time to dig in a little deeper. I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna do this year. Aside from these Bible reading plans that, that I'm gonna be doing with you guys as well, we're gonna dig through Luke. That's gonna take us through Easter after the 21 days of, of prayer and, and Bible reading. We're gonna do this reading plan. It's gonna take us through Luke to go along with our preaching through Luke and digging into Jesus. What I'm gonna do this year, aside from that, is is several years ago, um, I started listening to a podcast. Uh, I listened to I don't know if I listened to it a year or two years. Um, it's called the Daily Audio Bible. The Daily Audio Bible, and I, there's a lot of there's a lot of apps you can do. You can use the U version Bible app to, to and it'll just it'll read the scripture to you. But I really like this podcast because it's not like it's not a robot. <laughs> it's a real dude. It's a real dude, and, and every day he greets you. He talks to you about the Bible for a minute. He'll pray. People will email him, and he'll pray over their prayer requests. And then he'll read through the Bible. And he probably just is doing the same type of plan you guys did, where you read from the Old Testament, from the from the uh, Psalms and Proverbs, and from the New Testament every day. So you read from the Old Testament. Psalms, Proverbs, New Testament every day, and it gets you through the, all the scripture in the year. That's the plan that he uses. And so every day you hear it, and, and so, I mean, his voice is actually pretty calming too. He's like a surfer dude sounding guy. He's like, hey, we're going to read the Bible today. Uh, you got your Bible. Let me just pray with you, talk to you about Jesus. Like, so it's pretty, it's pretty relaxing. And so I'm going to use that to supplement my Bible reading. I'm just going to put those that podcast on, put my earbuds, earbuds in my ears, and, and, and that's going to be part of my evening relaxation time. And it's just going to help you get into the Word. And so I just encourage you guys, find something like that to, to supplement you this year as you go throughout the year, as, you're, as it's part of your Bible reading and coming closer to Jesus. So we are going to be super intentional about coming closer to Jesus this year. And I'm so excited about this. I believe that through prayer and fasting and worship and Bible reading and preaching, that we're going to come closer to Jesus. And in that closeness, church, we're going to discover a greater peace and hope and joy and unity and purpose even among us as this new city church. I want to tell you this as well, Sundays matter. We're going to be seeing that more, a lot more. Sundays matter. We'll begin Sundays for life. Sundays for life. Because Sundays are for life. Make a commitment, Sundays for life. Because Sundays are for life. So I hope you'll make a commitment to, to be here on Sundays, to pray, to fast, to read. There is good news. So all of that is my introduction. So let's open up the scriptures this morning and let's fall in love with Jesus. The good news. 
purposes. Luke begins by telling us his purpose. It's a gospel narrative. A gospel narrative. What is a gospel narrative? It's a good news story. So if you're taking notes this morning, the first thing you want to write down is a gospel narrative, a good news story. Luke begins his book by telling us his purpose. You've got your Bible. Turn to Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 1. I'm going to be reading from the Christian Standard Bible throughout uh, as long as I can imagine. Okay? That's typically the passage the Bible I'm going to read from. Again, I, 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 I have here used the ESV. I'm, I'm transitioning away from using the ESV from the pulpit. So, using the Christian Standard Bible, that's the CSB Bible, starting at Luke chapter 1, verse 1 says this. Many have undertaken, and this is Luke's writing, many have undertaken to compile a narrative about the events that have been fulfilled among us, just as the original eyewitnesses and servants of the word have been down to us. So it also seemed good to me, since I have carefully investigated everything from the very first, to write to you an orderly sequence, most honorable Theophilus. So that you may know the certainty of the things about which you have been instructed. Luke's opening sentence spells this thing out. This is a narrative. says it in the very first sentence. This is a narrative. It's a story. It's written to preserve the eyewitnesses and the servant account of the life of Jesus. That's the point of Luke. But it's not just a story. It's a true story. It's a good story. It's a compelling story. It's an investigative story. It's a story written to help Theophilus as he grows in his faith and his understanding of Jesus. So Luke writes this this account to, to to entrust it to Theophilus because Theophilus has heard these stories and he's heard about Jesus and he's growing in his faith and he is most likely a believer who wants to who wants to have a good account of the life of Jesus. And so Luke puts it together and says, here it is. This is the eyewitness testimonies. These are the testimonies of the servants. I've researched it. I've investigated it. Luke was a doctor, and Luke says, here's the story of Jesus. It's the narrative of the good news. It's a story that Theophilus can be certain about. It's a story that you and I can be certain about. Luke wrote his gospel so that everyone who read it would know that this gospel is a gospel for all. We're going to dig into that this morning. Gospel literally means, if you don't know this, you're going to learn this today. Gospel literally means good news. And Luke's gospel is good news for everyone. Luke emphasizes that the prophecies of the Old Testament, that Jesus would be for all, and that the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is the hope and the life for all. No matter their race or creed, their, their, whether they're male or female, whether they're rich.
to poor, Jew or Gentile. Jesus empowers everyone to follow him and by and gives them the Holy Spirit. See, Luke did not only write the Gospel of Luke. Maybe you know this, maybe you didn't. Luke also wrote the book of Acts. These are actually, it's actually a two-volume set. Most folks understand this as, the, as, as Luke-Acts. Theologians and scholars, when they talk about Luke and the book of Luke, they usually don't just say Luke. A lot of times they'll say Luke-Acts because it's a two-volume set. It's a, the first volume is the good news of Jesus. That's the gospel of Luke. The second volume is the work of the church empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's the Acts of the Apostles. So Luke is this gospel narrative. It is a good news story. And it begins with the birth of Jesus. Every good story has an origin story, right? Every, every, it seems like every superhero movie out now, they have an origin story. And they'll go back and they'll tell you the, the origin of where this superhero came from and, and how we, and we get to know this superhero. Every hero has an origin story. And the hero of Luke, of course, the savior of the world, Jesus, has an origin story. We just came through Advent. We just came through Christmas. We talked a lot about the origin story from the prophet Isaiah and from the prophet Micah. But the origin story actually begins in the first book of the Bible. Thousands and thousands of years before Jesus ever enters the scene, the origin story begins. See, God promised in the first book of the Bible, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years before Christ, God promised that through the seed of a woman, not through the seed of a man, but through the seed of a woman, the serpent, the devil, would be crushed. In Genesis chapter 3, Verses 14 and 15, it says this. So the Lord God said to the serpent, remember what the serpent did? The serpent tempted Adam and Eve, and they took from the fruit. They were, they were, they were cursed because of it. Well, the serpent was cursed as well. The serpent, the, the Lord God says to the serpent, because you've done this, you are cursed more than any livestock and more than any wild animal. You will move on your belly and eat the dust all the days of your life, and I will put hostility between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. This is the origin story. This is the first taste of the origin story. This is called the Proto-Evangelium. It's the first mention of the good news of a Savior who will come from a woman to crush Satan. This origin story does not make sense in the natural. This origin story requires a future miraculous event. A child, listen, you know this, a child cannot be born without a man, at least not naturally. 
A child cannot be born without the seed of a man, at least not naturally. But here's the promise from God that the seed of a woman will crush the head of the serpent. The promise also says that the seed of the woman, the seed of the woman will be bruised in the battle, but that the, but that the serpent will be dealt a fatal blow. Fast forward to Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 37. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. But the angel told her, Do not be persuaded, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and your name is Jesus. And he will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord... God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary asked him, how can this be, since I have not had sexual relations with a man? And the angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth, even she has conceived a son in her old, her old age. And this is the sixth, sixth month for her who is called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. How will this be, Mary asked. I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will give Jesus, church, Jesus was the seed of the woman promised to Eve in the garden, fulfilled in the womb of Mary, and bruised on the cross, but exalted from the tomb, crushing the power of the head of the serpent. The origin story is fulfilled at the birth of Jesus. And you could say, to Elizabeth. We just heard about Elizabeth. Mary became pregnant with the Holy Spirit. She went to her relative Elizabeth's home. And Elizabeth was pregnant too. This is good news to Elizabeth. Because Elizabeth had been barren. Her and her husband, Zechariah, were old. One day, Zechariah the priest enters the temple for sacrifice, and God tells him that he and Elizabeth are going to have a son. John is the, their son. This guy who will be known for eating locusts and wild honey and baptizing folks in the Jordan River. Well, Mary goes to visit her family member, Elizabeth, and as soon as Mary enters the room, the pre-born John in the womb of Elizabeth leaps for joy, and Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and she yells out in excitement, the mother, <coughs> the mother of my Lord is here. Elizabeth, filled with excitement, was filled with the Spirit, and she recognized by the Spirit that the baby in Mary's womb was the fulfillment of the promise to Eve in the garden. 
And these three women celebrated. They married in Jesus' honor. Elizabeth celebrated. She said, my Savior, the Savior is here. John leaps for joy, and now Mary has good news. And Mary sings a song. This is good news to Mary. In Luke chapter 1, verse 46, Mary sings, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, because He has looked at me with favor. This is Mary. Good news for Mary. Because he has looked at me with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Because the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy is from generation to generation. On those who fear him, he has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones. He has exalted the lowly. He he has satisfied the hungry with good things. He has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. And Mary stayed with her about three months. Remember, she was six months pregnant. Mary stayed with her about three months. And then she returned to her home. Here's what Mary says. This is good news for Mary. Mary says, God has looked at me with favor. That's good news for Mary, folks. But Mary recognized that, that the good news for her is also good news for us. God keeps his word. This is what Mary sings. God overthrows evil empires. God removes the wealth of the wicked. God lifts up the poor. God scatters the proud. God topples kings. God satisfies the hungry. God keeps his covenant. Jesus is good news to the broken, the poor, the outcast, the faithful, the oppressed. Jesus is the crushing of the serpent. And that is good you know who it was not good news to? It was not good news to Herod, who understood from the Magi that this new king was to be born. And Herod understood that this new king meant that his kingdom was coming to an end. But it was good news to the shepherds. In Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 12, we have good news to the shepherds. In the same reason, shepherds were staying out in their fields and keeping watch at night over their flocks. The angel of the Lord stood before them. The glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified. But the angel said to them, do, do not be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you who is Christ the Lord, the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in tightly in a cloth and lying in a manger. Listen, church, shepherds were not well-respected people. This is good news for the shepherds. They're not well-respected people. They were considered dirty, uneducated. 
the type of people who Mary sings about in her Magnificat that we just sang. And these are the people the angel came to. Good news of great joy. But not just good news to shepherds. The angel announced good news of great joy for all the people. And the angel sang a song in verse 14. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. Great joy for all. Peace on earth. Jesus is good news. After eight days, Mary and Joseph, her fiancé, head to Jerusalem to have the boy child, Jesus, presented in the temple to circumcise the boy and to sacrifice an offering. And this journey, eight days after the birth of Jesus, into Jerusalem for this ceremonial do is good news for a guy named Simeon. So we've had good news for Mary, we've had good news for Elizabeth, we've had good news for the shepherds, we've had good news for Simeon. Verse 22, when the days of their purification according to the law, this is chapter 2 of Luke, were finished, they were brought up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, just as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male will be dedicated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what was stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon put him up in his arms, praised God, and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised, for my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, glory to your people Israel, and his father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Scripture, we learn a few things from Scripture about Simeon. Simeon was a righteous man. Simeon believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. He was looking for the consolation of Israel. What does that mean? He was looking for the rescue and the comfort that God would provide to God's people. The rescue and the comfort that was promised by God to Eve and spoken of by prophets, poets, and preachers. And when Simeon sees Jesus, he takes Jesus in his arms. Some of you moms would not like that, right? But Mary, Mary knew that Jesus was special. And Mary knew that Simeon knew. And the Holy Spirit was on said, not to Mary and Joseph, 
not to the people gathered in Jerusalem, but he says to God, my eyes have seen the salvation prepared for everyone, a light for the Gentiles and glory to Israel. He tells God, I can die in peace because I have seen the salvation. Then he says to Mary and Joseph, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many and a sword will pierce your soul also. Simon was letting Mary while their son is the light for the nations, his darkness of the world will fight against him. Say it again. Simeon was letting them know that while their son was the light for the nations, the darkness of the world will fight against him, and even Mary will be sorrowful. The birth of Jesus was good news for somebody else. It was good news for a lady named a prophetess. Verse 36 says this. There was also a prophetess, Anna, a daughter of Samuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was well along in years, having lived with her husband seven years after his marriage, and was a widow for 48 years. She did not leave the temple. Serving God night and day with fasting and prayer. At that very moment, she came up to begin her function and speak about him to all who were looking forward to the entrance of Jesus Christ. Good news. A prophetess. Just good news. She was a prophetess. Think about how many sermons she must have preached hanging outside of the temple. Think about how many sermons she must have preached. Think about how many words she must have delivered from the Lord to the people outside of Jerusalem. She was a prophetess speaking. Think about how she lived. It says she lived at the temple after her husband died, after she became a widow. She did not, she did not look for another man to take her. She did not look for someone else to provide for her. She said, you know what? I'm I'm a widow now. I'm going to go live in the temple. I'm going to just devote myself to the Lord. And she lived in the temple for the rest of her life. She served God night and day with fasting and prayers. Think about how the Savior of the world, the light to the Gentiles, the glory of Israel, is taken into the arms of this centenarian who has prophesied for decades about the coming of a Savior. This woman who had devoted her life to God after the death of her husband begins to tell everyone about the good news that has just arrived to the Gentiles. This elderly woman needed Jesus. And this elderly woman that day met God herself. And she thanked God
give each one the right and make him no star. This is good news for us. This morning, Jesus is good news for everyone. Good news for Eve. He's good news for Elizabeth. He's good news for Mary. He's good news for the shepherds. He is good news for Simeon. He is good news for Anna. He is good news for everyone except the serpent and those who follow the serpent. Good news for men and women, boy and girl, young and old, every tribe, tongue, nation, race, for the oppressed and the poor. Good news for all those looking with anticipation and hope in the rescue of everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. The boy grew up and became strong biblical faith. God says, the boy is strong biblical and God says, God's gifting, God's anointing, God's calling. He was the chosen Messiah. That call of God was Jesus really is good news. Why aren't we shouting the name Jesus from our Facebook pages and profiles and Instagram profiles and Twitter profiles? Why aren't we shouting Jesus from the rooftops? If Jesus really is good news, why have we become so
that we're passing out. of Jesus, the, the kingdom of Jesus. 